you have your Bible, turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul writing to his young protege, Timothy, said, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. Uh, of course, we recognize that the Bible, being breathed out by God, must of necessity be without error. And an errant God cannot breathe an errant word. And that all of Scripture is profitable or useful, one translation says. But what sometimes we fail to understand that is that all Scripture is not equally profitable. In other words, uh, it would be more profitable for your sanctification uh, to read Romans chapter 4 or John chapter 4 as it would 1 Chronicles chapter 4, for instance. Uh, I, I've been reading through the Bible every year for a long time and uh, always get a little bit of relief, you know, on the day that I come to 1 Chronicles, you know, because first 10 chapters are all the begats. So I can go through them pretty quick. You know, because there's some profit there, but it's not like the profit that you find in other passages. But there are certain texts that that just stand out. They are striking summaries of very important doctrines, particularly those that are at the very heart of the gospel. Romans 6.23 is such a verse. And most, most people who have spent any time in the church, probably have memorized Romans of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in the Lord. This is one of the most familiar verses in the Bible. For one thing, it occurs in the book of Romans, a very uh, uh, well-known book, but the verse is also short. It is easy to memorize. There are only 20 words here in the English. There's only 19 words in the Greek. And only three of the words have more than one syllable. And they're certainly not difficult words. Wages, eternal, Jesus. All of those are simple words. Romans 6.23 has been taught to millions of uh, Sunday school children and has been incorporated into gospel presentations, evangelistic presentations. Uh, in many of those, it will come immediately after Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And maybe right before, perhaps the best known verse in the Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, the great Baptist preacher of the 19th century called Romans 6.23 a Christian proverb, a golden sentence, a divine statement of truth worthy to be written across the sky. He further said, as Jesus said of the woman who anointed him for his burial, wherever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman have done be told as a memorial for her. So I may say, wherever the gospel is preached, there shall be this golden sentence, which the apostle has let fall 
and it be repeated as proof of his clearness in the faith. Here you have both the essence of the gospel and a statement of that misery from which the gospel delivers all who will believe. Paul seemed to have a love for short, expressive statements, no doubt, because they were very useful to him uh, in his frontline missionary teaching. And as the Holy Spirit inspired him, he wrote these down for us. The appeal of this verse, I think, uh, is in its summary of the doctrine of the two ways. Uh, we talked about that uh, last week, but we've been studying it in one way or another throughout the entire chapter, uh, and even in Romans 5. This doctrine of the two ways is repeated over and again in different formats. In Romans 5, it was distinct, uh, distinguished as being between being in Adam and being in Christ. The two ways were traced actions of the two federal heads of mankind. Adam disobeyed God, and his disobedience brought condemnation, the fall, to him and his descendants. Jesus obeyed God, and his obedience results in justification and life to those who are joined to him by faith. Toward the end of the chapter, the contrast was described as being between law and grace. Law works sin, and the result of sin is death. Grace results in righteousness and eternal life. In Romans 6, the case is similar On the one hand, there is slavery to sin. And each of us is born into that slavery. We are born uh, as members of Adam's fallen race. And that slavery leads to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. And the end of it is death, we're told in verse 21. On the other hand, there is a slavery to God, which leads to righteousness, leading to holiness. Verse 19, and it ends in life, we're told. That's what's summarized here in the text. It's what Paul means when he says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, we looked at, these, at this verse briefly uh, last week, but before we close out Romans chapter 6, and can you believe we're already through chapter 6, man? I mean, it's just, I've only been preaching through Romans two years. And here we are at the end of chapter 6. Huh? At this rate, we'll make the end of the book before I turn 80. Uh, or before you do. So anyway, I wanted to look at it as two absolutes. Two inexorable absolutes. Unchanging. Um, the first absolute is this. Sin brings death. When the apostle contrasts death with eternal life, as he does in, that in this text, I think immediately all of us think, quite naturally, of the state of souls beyond the grave. That is, we think of eternal life 
uh, as the life of God's children in heaven and of the eternal death, or as Revelation calls it, the second death, as accompanied by punishment uh, eternally for those who die apart from Jesus Christ. And that is a part of the picture, and an important part of the picture. But I think it's, Im it's important for us to remember here that in Romans 6, Paul is talking about the present life of the believer. And he is stressing that we have been freed from the slavery to sin and that a Christian must thereafter live to serve God. And although these are eternal ends, death and life, we must not overlook that there is also a present death and a present life to be considered. And I would go even further in saying that in this verse, Paul is particularly concerned with the effects of sin and the effects of righteousness in this life and not so much with the life to come, although that is in view. The reason for that is something I mentioned briefly last week. The word that Paul uses here for wages was a, uh, to describe the effects of sin was a word that was used of the daily food ration that was given to a Roman soldier. Uh, it literally translates fish ration. In other words, it does not refer to a large payment that was dispensed at the end of a soldier's period of service, but rather it refers to that which he received on a daily basis, measured out to him day by day. So it is the individual's present state, not so much his future state, that is in view here. Uh, think of it this way. It's, it's kind of a parallel to what we saw in Romans chapter 1 regarding the wrath of God. Whenever we talk about the wrath of God, we quite naturally think of something that is poured out upon unbelievers uh, at the judgment, at the end of time, and then for all of eternity. And of course, that, that is true. That is an aspect of the wrath of God. But in Romans 1, Paul says that the wrath of God is being revealed right now. It is uh, against men and women who are all on this downward path of life. If you remember, I said when we went through Romans 1, you, you hear people today who say, well, uh, the state of America today with all of the emphasis on sexual immorality and all of that, the wrath of God is coming against America. The wrath of God is now presently against America. Now, all of those things are evidences of the wrath of God because Paul says that God gives them over to a depraved mind to do those things that are unseemly, to practice homosexuality, and eventually to a, a depraved mind that leads to foolishness, like the foolishness we see with the transgender movement today, uh, that the most basic fact of biology, whether you're male or female, is fluid. It doesn't that doesn't really matter. Well, that's nonsense, of course. But it is, it is the wrath of God that is causing that kind of confusion. Because the wrath of God is being poured out right now, then you have that kind of confusion in our society. And 
I think that's very, very relevant because Paul is saying here in verse 23 of Romans 6 that sin produces death right now. Right now. If you are not a believer, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you are not in Christ, then you are apart from life. If you are apart from life, what are you? Dead. You have physical life, but not spiritual life. Because God is life. Jesus is the life. And death is working right now. And it is destructive. It is deadly. Sin brings death right now. Uh, if you are not in Christ, you are dead. That, Paul says that in Romans chapter 2. You, he has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. <clears throat> it is only when we come to Christ to believe on him that we receive life. <clears throat> That's the second absolute. Sin brings death. Christ gives eternal life. Now this is <clears throat> far more than just physical life because the wicked possess physical life. I mean, if you, if you go out into the world and you say to people, well, you know, you're dead. They're going to look at you like, well, you're nuts. You know, <laughs> I mean, what do you mean dead? I'm, I'm breathing. I got a heartbeat. I got brain waves. I don't have many, but I got some, you know. So it doesn't just mean physical uh, life. It means more than mere existence as well. For we are told that the wicked will exist for all of eternity. Eternal life has to do with knowing God. That is eternal life. Do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3? Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. To know the only true God and Jesus Christ that he has sent. It is to know him in an ever-increasing measure. It means holiness coupled with joy and blessedness. It means to realize the chief end for which we were created. The old Westminster Shorter Catechism, the first question, what is the chief end of man? Answer, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It's to have that life right now. At the moment you were joined to Jesus Christ, you received eternal life. It is a... It, it is a life that we possess now. It's not something that we will get when we die. We have it now. Therefore, we cannot die. Now don't misunderstand me. Physically, we may die. Physically. But we will never be separated from life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me Though he should die, yet shall he live. And he that lives and believes on me shall never die. You may die physically, 
but you will never be separated from life because you have been joined to eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Physical death just causes the body to quit breathing. Doesn't end life at all. I am convinced that for the believer, death is nothing more than walking through a door. If I walk out of the door over here, I go from this room out into the hallway. There, there's nothing that ceases. I just walk from one room to another. That is death for the believer. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. I don't, I, I don't think I fear death at all. Now, I do fear what might be between me and death. <laughs> but death itself, I, no. I, I mean, I am joined to Jesus Christ eternally eternally nothing can sever that nothing can change that it is eternal life that I have been given so the first contrast is one between death and life we naturally expect that uh, if you say one you naturally think of the other death and life life and death uh, not so much so with the second contrast Sin does not suggest God as its opposite, but the word righteousness. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, we would think he might have said the free gift of righteousness. But Paul was very, very careful in his theology. He didn't want anybody to think that, that it is by works that you receive this eternal life. So at the point that we might expect him to say righteousness, he puts God. To teach us what the Bible teaches from Genesis to the book of Revelation, that salvation is of the Lord. It is not of man. It is not any works that we do. Salvation is of God. Uh, there, is, there is a Latin phrase that Aristotle used... Um, in dramas and things that he wrote. Uh, and he said that, that God must never be introduced, duus ex machina, unless the characters had gotten themselves into a, such a position that only a God could get them out of it. That's the case here. Man has gotten himself into such a position that only God can get him out of it. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We are trapped in our sin. We cannot work our way out of it. We're like elephants in quicksand. No way out unless God intervenes. Uh, the free gift. The Bible teaches that salvation is a gift of God. The Greek word here is charisma which actually means a free gift. Now technically, a gift has to be free to be a gift. But, but Paul wants to emphasize this. It's a gift, it's a free gift. You know, it's, wow, this, this is something that is beyond the normal. It is not a result of our working. Wages are something that you earn for doing a job. 
The wages of sin is death. You've earned that. <laughs> You've sinned, and as a result, you have earned death. It's yours, rightly, justly. But the free gift of God is mine. You didn't earn that. You didn't work for that. God just gave it to you freely. A gift is something that is unearned. That, that, that's the point which we came to at the end of Romans 5. And it's a theme that we'll be looking at again and again and again throughout the rest of the book of Romans. We discover it in all of our dealings with God. We could translate Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the grace of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Grace is unmerited. It is favor that comes to us from the heart of God. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. We'll never earn it. You know, when we've been in heaven for a million years, we'll still not earn it. We'll still be very much aware that we landed in that holy and happy place solely because God gave us a gift freely. The contrast here are a sermon in themselves. But the most important phrase is the last one. In Christ Jesus our Lord. This is not a part of the contrast. God is set against sin, gift set against wages, eternal life against death. So why does Paul include in Christ Jesus our Lord? I think obviously because it brings out what was all important to him. And indeed the great truth of the entire book of Romans. We're now at the end of Romans 6. And Paul has summarized the gospel as a free gift of God to his people. Something they could never earn. In chapter 7, he's going to talk about the, the use and the limits of the law. But it's as if Paul stops here and says, I've said that salvation is the free gift of God. But I can't let it go there. Salvation is a free gift of God. Why? Because we are in Christ Jesus our Lord. To be in Christ is to receive this gift. The way that this gift is made available to human beings is by the work of Jesus Christ. It is only in Christ. Paul never forgot that we are saved from sin only because of the work of Jesus Christ. So that, that's the question that begs to be answered by all men. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ Jesus our Lord? Yes or no? Is he your Savior and Lord? If not, why not? He gave himself for you. He came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, kept the law of God in every respect, and died on a cross 
in the place of sinners. And if you believe this gospel, if you trust Jesus Christ, if you repent of your sin, if you put your faith in Him, this free gift is yours. And it's yours only because of the work of Jesus Christ. It is imperative that you receive the gift, that you understand where the gift comes from and how it comes. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray to you. Our Father and our God, thank you for this word.